tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. And welcome to uh, Tim Foyle Hat. You know who I am. You know what I'm here to do. Joining me, as always, um, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only XG in the place to be. There we go. Thank you guys so. for tuning in. This is going to be a very special episode. We're super excited for everybody that's going to be on. Uh, real quick, uh, we have some great things going on at the show. Uh, we have a huge show coming up this uh, tomorrow night at the Comedy Store. It is Comedy Chaos live at the Comedy Store. Uh, the lineup is pure. Uh, nothing but killers. Burt Kreischer, Brian Callen, Brandon Schaub, Ian Bag, uh, Tony Baker, and Tony Hinchcliffe. Those tickets are only $25. That will sell out. Grab those tickets now. And guess what? Every Oh, yeah. And then I'm live at the dojo, the dojo of comedy. Jim Florentine, myself, uh, uh, Joe DeRosa. Just go to uh, just go to eventbrite.com, put the dojo live, grab those tickets. It's only $10. Buy one ticket, get another one free. Tinfoil Hat is on the road, everybody. We are super excited. Uh, Tinfoil Hat is back in Texas, everybody. It's myself, Eddie Bravo, XG. We'll be live at Hyenas on the 14th and then uh, in Dallas, Texas or Plano, Texas. And then on the 15th, it's myself, Eddie Bravo, XG, and we are at uh, the secret group. So grab those now. And then at the end of the month, it is, uh, I'm going to be live at Skankfest as long as, uh, along with uh, XG. And we are doing tinfoil hats and stand up at Skankfest in Brooklyn, New York on June 20th through the 23rd. Excited. You got any dates coming up? Nothing yet. No, Nothing? Just, just Nothing. waiting for the June. Uh, real quick, I also want to give it up for our good friends at uh, Absolute Extract. Absolute Extract, go to abx.org. They are sponsoring Comedy Chaos. They are the top in CBD oils, flour, vape pens, you name it. Go to it. Uh, They're sponsoring Comedy Chaos and Tim Foil Hat. We are doing live shows all over the place, and they are helping get us out there. So thank you to abx.org. Uh, go check them out. They love us, so you should show them some love. We also want to give it up for our good friends <laughs> at Nutsack. Jesus. Nutsack. Uh, it's my new bag sponsor. Uh, how they get their name? Yes. Welcome. Welcome to Tim Foil Hat. Uh, how do we get how they get our names? We were told that we were nuts to manufacture in America. Perfect bags for everyday carry. A per okay, I use it great. Yeah, I look like I work for the Pony Express, but I like it. Why? Why do women get purses? I have I have phones. I have 
I have pagers. I have beepers. I have everything. I have keys. I can't fit in my new my my skinny jeans I got. So I have to have a bag for it, and they are nice enough. It is made in the USA. High quality materials and craftsmanship. America, American wax, cannabis, American leather, American labor. Strong, water resistant. Give us two weeks, and we'll change your life. We guarantee you will love Nutsack. Okay. The other products are garbage. Screw fanny packs. Go with Nutsack. We are not fanny pack nation. We're a nutsack nation our product comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee it's a comfortable bag that for the right price rugged durable bag and it will beat the hell out of and you can beat the hell of it okay and this is all you gotta do my friends for our listeners here at tinfoil hat right now nutsack is offering our listeners five dollars off their first purchase uh, they can go to buying a beer, doing whatever you want with that five bucks. To receive the five dollar discount, visit Nutsack and drop off the case. N U T S A C dot com. That's N U T S A C dot com, and you drop the K. Remember that and use the promo code Tin Foil Hat at checkout. It is all capital letters, by the way. So check them out. We're very thankful that they sponsor the show. And I and go to t-shirts, man. New t-shirts every day. Go to tinfoilhatt-shirts.com. Uh, new t-shirts. It's a great way to support the show. And everybody's loving Conspiracy Now that's shot at the Comedy Store. And you can get that on the Patreon. Just go to patreon.com, tinfoilhat. And that's the business. Um, today's a very special show. Uh, joining us in studio... Uh, you know him, you love him. Back for a special episode. I thought you guys would all enjoy it. And uh, our guest today is one of his favorite guests, so I thought I'd bring him back. Please welcome from Off the Grid, Off the Grid, Ryan Davis. How are you, buddy? Wei Zhang Jing. Yeah, welcome back, my friend. Uh, today's a special episode. It's a big name that we've been trying to get. And when we booked him, I thought, you know, this would be a great time to have you come back, say hi, let everybody know you're, uh, you haven't gone any more crazy than you normally are. <laughs> Uh, and yet you are alive. The hair still looking good. Yeah, and you were kind enough to let me plug uh, something very close to my heart. Uh, my friend had a kidney transplant back in 1999, and I don't know if you know this, kidneys don't last forever. <laughs> Mine's so, shot. Yeah, you might need one too, so we might need to go fund me soon. But uh, if you're interested in becoming a donor, please go to lisaskidney.com. That's lisaskidney.com. Fill out the questionnaire. Apparently, I am not a universal donor. So yeah. that's why I'm here. I love yeah. it, Sam. Thanks for uh, letting me spread the message. Yeah. So go to lisaskidney.com. You could help save a life. Save a life, people. Save a life. So with the business out of the way, uh, the reunion's over. The feelings are gone. It's time to get some business. He's been quietly listening to us uh, with our, our sponsor's nutsack, which he seemed to enjoy. Uh, with over 35 years of investigative journalism, piecing together the bigger picture, today's guest is the brilliant mind behind lightsonconspiracies.com. It's an honor and a long time coming. Please welcome Oli Demigard to Tinfoil Hat. Thank you for coming on, Oli. We appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for having me yeah. i really want a nut sack as well <laughs> uh, it might cost name. extra to ship it to yeah, spain we'll take care of that i'll get you a nut sack bro oh, no. if anyone deserves a nut sack it's you my friend oh me not i'm not have, gonna use it you have balls my friend you have balls doing what you're doing uh you are one of the big names in in the truth community 
Uh, one of the, I, I don't like to call it conspiracies. I prefer the unreported history, and you are constantly shedding light on those things that go unreported, and I think you're very important. So thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. Absolutely. So uh, let's get into this because we uh, we have a lot to cover. Uh, Ryan, where do you want to start? Because Ryan's wanted to get you on for a long time, and then Ryan kind of went off the grid, and he's back. So I decided this was going to be his Christmas present. And uh, so let's get into this. Where and do before you we turned on the mics today, I kind of ran through a little bit what we were going to go over, and Oli actually said he knew nothing about this first topic. So, hey, I'm hey, about to shed are, on some light for you right okay, now. Okay, here we go. Let's start in 1914, June. Uh, Sarajevo, the capital of the Austrian-Hungarian province Bosnia. The assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, which led us into the beginning of the First World War, which some would say is the very first false flag in the modern empire, right? So his vehicle, the license plate that he was driving, it said AIII-118, all right? The war ended officially on November 11th, 1918. Armistice Day. Oh A my God. 11, 11, 18. The license plate. Now, oh my wow. God. Now, Oli, I know you know something about uh, being right in plain sight. Is this a coincidence or is this consent? The answer is yes. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Right. But uh, there's uh, no, but it's like it's uh, very important not to just jump to conclusions. I mean, that is. Uh, interesting but uh, another thing that is interesting is that i had a relative who was killed after the second world war ended because uh, there were all of these people firing their rifles up in the air oh and he was hit he was hit by one of the bullets coming down i mean what can you say yeah. what a way to end the war oh, oh, oh man imagine imagine that like surviving the war and then you just die. i always want because like they always shoot the guns in there. I'm like, those bullets are coming down somewhere. That's just New Year's Eve in Pomona. Yeah. That's, that's every day in Mexico, though. Yeah, every yeah. day. They'd be all the narcs. Have you, uh, do you have any theories on uh, World War One in terms of what the real issue is? Like, we always find out there's always some kind of, uh, like, Vietnam, Afghanistan. There was all this theory that was really about poppy fields and going into that, and that there's whole thing about World War One was that it was really about getting the pharmaceutical industry out of Germany to the United States. Have you ever heard any of that, Oli? I have, but I'm the wrong pe person to ask. Uh, World War One has always been a mystery to me. Uh, I never really understood it. Uh, what I've seen is that it follows the same, uh, you know, the New World Order agenda from many, many years back. It has been part of that. I know also the grandfather of George Bush Sr. was the one that faked the so-called Zimmerman telegram that got the U.S. involved in the First World War. So we got the Bush dynasty even there. They, they were involved. But like I said, Next question. Ask someone who knows more. I love that. Well, Thank you. Well, let's jump down to another assassination that I know you know about. This time in Dallas, Texas, November 22nd, 1963. Perhaps you can answer some questions that me and Sam done an episode a long time ago, and I think you're about to blow his mind. First question. Who was the babushka lady? Oh, I love this. Who? The babushka lady is a friend of mine, Beverly Oliver. What? What? In my opinion. You know the babushka lady? Please expand, Oli, yes. And tell well, about in, the yellow paint. Oh. You, you're in Dallas. 
You should uh, go and visit her. Yeah, I can I? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can. She's a really nice lady. She's a really good. I'm a very good friend of uh, Judith Barry Baker as well, the, the mistress of Lee Oswald. I'm I'm the good friend of Saint John Hunt, the E. Howard Hunt's son. I'm a friend of uh, Gary Powers, the U2 pilot's son. I oh mean, my. what? Okay, but I'll tell you about the yellow paint. If you look surprised, I didn't yeah. suspect that. Okay, <laughs> there's a lot to come. No, no, but uh, do you know the reason? I think is uh, why I know these people is because many of the people I'm involved with are, are either in, has been part of uh, major historical events or their children of former spies or assassins or you name it. And I think we're here. This generation is here to heal all of the crap that they made, sometimes with good intent, but my God, did they mess it up. And so we're here to sort of clean up uh, and try and get things back in balance. And that is quite a big, bit of a challenge. Yep. So the babushka lady, her name is Beverly Oliver. And uh, the yellow paint that you're referring to is that they, they painted the, the curbstones uh, in Dili Plaza, the whole thing was a massive, massive ambush. And they painted the kill, what they call the kill zone in yellow so that the shooter, because there were multiple shooters all around. And since everything was going to be blamed on one shooter, they only had three shots. So they couldn't have like boom, 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 and then say, well, it was the echo. No, they had to do... They had to have everybody fire at the same place. That was why they had the umbrella man there to mark the exact uh, crossfire point so that you stand there and when the car passes, fire, shoot them, you know, blast his head off. That was the order. It was a headshot everybody was aiming for. And so, and uh, Beverly uh, ran across the street afterwards and without uh, noticing she stepped on this uh, this curbstone that was painted yellow and the, the the color was still fresh the paint was still fresh and i've i've seen the shoes i've, I've held it myself there's still yellow paint on it after all of these years oh my god now you just uh, tipped on it the umbrella hold on, man. One second, hold on real quick real quick so so she just happened to be there and didn't know what was going on, and she just became part of history in this kind of mystery that has been solved, but a lot of people don't know it. I mean, she just happened to be there. Yeah, many people just happened to be there. The president was coming, so they wanted to see the president, and nobody, very few people in the area knew that they were going to take him out, except for the people who were involved in the shooting, including George Bush Sr., so the people we're talking about, uh, for those that aren't indoctrinated in this, hey, this is Next Level 2.0. But what we're talking about is Operation 40. And what that yeah. refers to is 40 individuals that were hand-selected throughout multi-nations to become this hits team, like the ultimate action movie besides it being horrible. So 20 of them were uh, uh, support. Oh, hold on, hold on, no? hold on. Go, let me know, no. Ali. Absolutely not correct. Sorry. Go. Uh, That's what you're here for. But it was not... So it was called Operation 40 because uh, they met in a room. Uh, I think the room was the number of the room was 40. They were actually huh. more like 80. Uh, and out of these 80 to start, this was just the initial group. There were about 80. One, uh, I mean, more or less all men and then one man, uh, woman, Marita Lorenz. 
And the idea was that uh, uh, Alan Dulles and other people like Wild Bill Harvey uh, approached Dwight Eisenhower with the idea that why don't we create like a mobile unit that can be used anywhere in the world to deal with whatever problem we have, extortion, uh, murder, uh, fires, you name it, we'll set, set it up. And then whatever the problem is, we got the team players here and we can just send them, put them on a plane, sort out the problem. And so the, the, I, the task was given to Dwight Eisenhower, President Dwight Eisenhower, who forwarded it to his vice president, Richard Nixon, who then uh, contacted some old wolves in the CIA, uh, E. Howard Hunt, uh, Ted Shackley, and um, uh, E. Howard Hunt, Ted Shackley, and uh, oh come on, the ch the handler of Lee Harvey Oswald, David Atlee Phillips. Sorry about that. So these three people were then went down to Memphis, no sorry, to Miami uh, in Florida, because that was the backyard of the CIA in those days with J.M. Wade as their headquarters. And what they did was they focused mostly on, on exiled Cubans that had just escaped from Cuba, because at that point when this was created, Fidel Castro was the so-called devil. Yeah. And so they, they who were they going to find who were willing to do horrible acts against Fidel Castro? Well, exiled Cubans would be the, the thing. So mo most of them were Americans or exiled Cubans, and these were people from, uh, you know, former police, former military, former Air Force, uh, uh, brutal people, many of them, but disciplined as well, the wild, the wild bunch, you can easily call them. And so they were recruited down in, in uh, Florida, and then they were uh, trained down in the Everglades and jungle warfare. They were down in Guatemala as well, and in Lake Pontchartrain, north of, uh, not far from, well, it was north of New Orleans, uh, north of that lake, Lake Pontchartrain. These were the main uh, training camps where they were sent. And they were trained in everything from bombs to poison to bazookas, mines, uh, you name it. And then, 60 of them were more into how to blackmail or threaten or burn down buildings or print propaganda or, you know, forge uh, IDs and passports. But the passports and these things were easy for them because they just used the exact same office that printed the real ones. Oh. They had one office in uh, San Francisco, it was LA, I think it was, where uh, the CIA had one, they had the top floor, and the second floor was where they made all the Secret Service uh, badges and uh, police badges and so on. So they just went one step down, one stair down, and said, I need this and this and this. And they got real ones, but with fake names. But they were real badges. They were real, whatever they needed, just go down one stairs. And uh, there was uh, one of the people that were doing that, who was a really good forger, was also Chauncey Holt, who was uh, in the killing of JFK as well, but on the outskirts. Uh, he was the guy that supplied all of these the Secret Service badges that was used that day. And he's also the one that is called the old tramp of the three tramps that was uh, led off Dealey Plaza afterwards. It was uh, Ian. It was uh, Chauncey Holt, the old guy. Then you had Charles Harrelson, the father of Woody Harrelson, is the tall. He was what? an assassin down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many were on the scene that day? Is it about 12 that you've counted so far? Because we oh, know about uh, James I, Files, the, the, the driver for, what was the mob? He was the driver for Nicky, 
Nicky Scaletti. Do you think James Files was really there? Do you think he was there, Oli? Yeah, 100%. I've been in direct contact with him as well. He donated $100 to me after he got out of prison. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That was bizarre. Blood money, baby. No, but but if you... It's it's very tricky. I think there's a lot more than we think there were because uh, some people were, were using silences. Uh, some people were in hidden positions. Uh, I, I can go through if you want to from left to right. Yeah. Or right to left. It sounds like okay. in uh, the movie John Wick. It's just, <laughs> right? It just sounds like JFK was John Wick and they just sent a, a, just a band of assassins to take this guy out and... It was, it's just unbelievable. I mean, this is literally a coup at this point, right? This is a coup. No, it is, it is a global coup. It is a global coup in that respect that since the U.S. is so important internationally because you interfere with everyone, uh, I would very much like to su- suggest take your army bases back to where they belong. Not hey, in I, other I, I would if I could. Nobody's listening to me. I know. You know, know, it's like, have uh, you seen me on Twitter? I'm laying into everybody. Nobody's listening. No, no, I am. Um, Some would say a a coup d'etat in slow motion, right? That my book is called A Coup d'etat in Slow Motion. It (laughs) refers to the Swedish assassination of Ola Palme. But that is a global thing as well, because you had uh, these global forces and George Bush Sr., who pops up everywhere, was directly involved in that hit as well. Oliver North as well, part of it. And... uh, but the thing with the with this thing was that it was a it was a, they they how should I say they marked their territory and they sent a global message out. We can take out anyone at any time, anywhere. So you better back off, whoever yeah. you are. Back off. That was the message. Because they could have just slipped a pill in his coffee. Very easy. Goodbye, JFK. Next president in. But here they were showing that they did it in broad daylight in front of everyone. There were even cameras filming it, showing this to the rest of the world. That was the message. And when you look at these type of uh, big hits, there's always a conspiracy of the, the crime itself. And then it, it's followed by a conspiracy of silence. There's this silence that just follows. And that is because the people uh, in power positions, most of them, corrupted because otherwise they won't get up to that position. They don't know the details, but they sure know the force. And so it's like, you mess with us, we take you out. That is the general message sent out. So this one, the, the, the JFK assassination, if you look at it from an ambush, it is a masterpiece, absolute masterpiece, never been repeated as far as I know. But also they needed to make sure that 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 JFK did not get out alive. That was the thing. They had to have him dead. So they brought in the full cavalry and they, they covered every single angle of this, uh, this uh, Dealey Plaza, which when you go there, it looks big on, when you look on, on the movies, it's not. It's a very small little limited area. And so when you do these things, you need to be able to control all parameters. And that was what they were looking for. And they did as well. And one of the major ones they need to control is the outlet of information. So uh, when these type of things happen, the network shuts down, the phone line shuts down, the electricity shuts down. It's the same you will see everywhere. 
uh, suddenly the phone doesn't work, it's jammed, and then people afterwards, like in the US, for one to complete hour, the phone line nationally in the whole of the US was shut down. And they say, yeah, but everybody was trying to call each other saying, no, it's by design, because they cut it, and then they make sure that everybody involved gets away, it's blamed on the patsy, and once that is saying, okay, and action and pump, then you pump out the official story. So it is very multi-layered. I mean, there's a reason why we're still confused after more than 50 years. So yeah. you have to you have to give it to them uh, because uh, they did, uh, from their point of view, an amazing job. Well, you teased and it earlier. Uh, give us the names, because we only know James Files because of Barry Katz's documentary, uh, I Kill JFK, that came out, what, two years ago? Yeah, did you watch that? Oh. We watched that together. Did you know he basically took YouTube videos and just put them all together and told us it was a movie? He just killed my chance with Barry Katz. Yeah. I'm dead in this industry yeah. now. I did, I, so I just put in James Files, and all the videos come up. I'm like, he just put this together and told us it was a movie. But Ole actually that? knows these yeah. names. No, so no. The Umbrella no, Man, I, I, let's start. Give us okay, no, but I, I know the guy that interviewed James Files in, in uh, both, it was Jim Morris, he was there, at, and Wim Dankbar, a uh, Dutch guy, were the ones that approached him. But this whole thing, James Files did not want to come up, he had no interest in coming out open, absolutely not. He was denying it at a long, it's a long story, but... Oh, I don't know where to begin. Are you are you interested in the shooters? Yeah, or the I'm interested in, in all of it. Whatever you want to do, okay. I'm in, dude. Yeah, you got okay. me. What's the umbrella when, man's when name? I got to know. Roy Hargraves. There we go. Who, Roy Hargraves. The umbrella man. His, the umbrella. So now he's just named okay. two people that are notoriously mysterious. He just named them. Babushka Lady, Umbrella Man. That's unbelievable. The Cuban okay. guy jumping around waving his oh, arms. Let, let him go. Go on, Oli. Felipe, Felipe Vidal Santiago. Oh, my God. His, his name. And he was uh, this guy that, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, Mr. Bearded Guy to the He's, right. That's Ryan. Ryan. It's okay. Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. The, the 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 guy that goes out in front of the limo waving like that, he is very important because he pops up in many, many cases afterwards because the people that were involved in this assassination, they, they rose like uh, rock stars in the killing business afterwards <laughs> and were being used. Uh, this is the thing. It was called the big event. It was called the big event and people wanted to be there. They knew it was going down. And so you got the whole deal process packed with people that were not involved, but were killers. I think either they were there to confuse for someone like myself, or they were just there to see it go down. So uh, Felipe, Vidal, Felipe Vidal Santiago, the waving uh, Cuban, who was standing right next to the umbrella man, he, he later went under the name of Charles Morgan. He was a CIA operative. He was very closely associated with Operation 40, as was Roy Hargraves. And uh, uh, his job for many, many years was to go on location months before a hit was planned or take, about to take place and find, recruit assassins or patsies, you know, recruit patsies for some other job so that and then paint them black so that they could go down and uh, make it credible and this Felipe Vidal Santiago 23 years later he was in Stockholm trying to recruit a guy that I know as the assassin of the Swedish prime minister so there you go direct connection yeah. 
book Dealey Plaza Stockholm 23 years later and he's not the only one because the, the one of the most important things that I haven't mentioned with Operation 40 yet is that they had a, they had a paymaster a young guy who was the guy that funneled the funds into uh, this because these were black ops so you couldn't yeah. go officially so there was this guy who funneled the funds he was not paying himself that guy's name was George Bush George Herbert Walker Bush oh and he was my in, god he was the paymaster of Operation 40 and he kept this group so tight around him his whole career the core elements he used them all the way to the very end you got Felix Rodriguez, one of the key people in uh, Operation 40. He was not a key figure in Dealey Plaza, but Felix Rodriguez has been with George Bush Sr. his whole career. He was the one that uh, was ordering the kill, the, the murder of uh, Che Guevara uh, down in Bolivia. The guy that actually killed him, his name was David Morales, David Sanchez Morales. He was right on the corner of Houston and Elm Street. He's standing up on a light pole, looking down at the hit. You can see it on some photos. He was there with one of the escape cars parked on the wrong side of the road, uh, going north uh, on Houston Street. Uh, he was parked up against the side of the, of the uh, Dell Texas, no, sorry, the Texas School Book Depository. And so when people came running out from the back of the building, he picked them, picked two of them up, three of them up, sorry, took off north, and the fourth one, uh, well, his name was Richard Kane, by the way. He was a police officer, but also hitman for the Chicago mob. And he was staying at, uh, uh, what's the name of that hotel in Dallas? Come on memory. I'll get back to it. But he was sharing room with Sam Giancarna, the head of the Chicago mob, who was also there. Oh. So, um, anyway. This sounds getting... like the assassination version of um, The Outsiders, right? <laughs> Where like everybody in the cast went on to do incredible stuff. It's like, it's a who's who of who. Oh, oh, it's like, this is, this is insane. I mean, like, this is like the equivalent of stand up where it's like, these are all the young guys who all went on to do incredible stuff. It's, it's like the assassination Kings of comedy. Right? Yeah. It's so incredible. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But, but you have to go back to when it happened. This was a year just a, one year before the Beatles shocked the world with their haircut. I mean, with that haircut shocked the world, just think of how naive people were at that time. Now we're many, many years later, and I'm just pinpointing the individuals that to many people are still unknown. So it's like, it's not that it's out in the open. Well, if you listen to me, it's been out in the open for a long time, but I'm not saying I've got the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I have been tracking these people down and trying to put together Jigsaw in a way that I feel fits. Other people disagree with me, but that doesn't matter because the truth is the truth. If, uh, and I feel I feel that I'm onto something. I've, uh, anyway, so if you I go, love it. So if we go, if we start with the Daltex building, there were shooters in the building, in the county building, county record building. There were shooters there, but since... They were not visible at all. I'm not sure. Uh, there's there's one called uh, Ricardo Masferrer, Operation 40. I believe he was on the top of the building, uh, but I'm not sure. Then if we go to the Daltex building, there were shooters up that, on that building as well, but I don't know who. That, but on the second floor, uh, there's a fire escape uh, ladder going down. 
On the second floor, it was a mining office uh, operated by the CIA. And uh, uh, there was uh, a guy, a mob guy from California, whose his task was just to let people in from the back. Hale Braden was his name, Hale Eugene Braden. He, he opened the door and let the team into that office from the back. The people there were, were Chucky Nicoletti. He was a hitman from the Chicago mob. And that was uh, James Files, or Jimmy Files, was the driver for Chucky Nicoletti. He was the shooter there. Uh, but these teams often be, be, uh, consist of two or three people. They're like a shooter, a spotter, and a breakdown guy. So uh, that is standard. If there's only two, then it's the shooter spotter, and the spotter also do the breakdown, meaning he takes care of the weapon, breaks it down, makes sure that there's no empty shells or that the shells that are left there is pointing towards the patsy. It, every, every sign of real truth needs to go, and then you just place the fake one. But in, in uh, the Caltex building, we had, uh, if I'm correct, Johnny Rosselli, who was the, he was the middleman between the mob. The, he was a former hit guy under Al Capone, but then went to Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and started, he was very flamboyant. Uh, you know, he loved the film stars. And so, so he was the go-between between the mob, the CAA, uh, the celebrities, all of this guy. He was sort of the guy in between. That's he crazy. was in there. He was there. Chucky Nicoletti was the shooter. And Tony Izquierdo uh, from Operation 40 was the, the spotter. Tony Izquierdo, there's actually a statue of him in Miami today, if you go there. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, well... And uh, it's a statue. Why does he have a statue? He's on the the grave of the fallen uh, ex uh, Cuban soldiers. I mean, they see him as a hero. And this is the thing also, Sam, that the people that carried this out, many of them saw themselves as patriots. They saw JFK as the enemy. So it's like, what is, you know, when people say, well, they're terrorists. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and then you look who's the terrorist here? You know, yeah. the 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 people that invaded the country or overtook the throne, or it's just changed. It depends on who wrote the history books, and it's always the winners, the conquerors. They wrote this history, so who who to believe? Many of them hated JFK because they believed that he let them down at the uh, Bay of Pigs invasion, that he did not give them air support, and many of their friends were slaughtered and murdered and tortured, oh. and they played JFK. So, and it, it later turned out that he was not the guy who did it. It was a, it was another general, I forgot the name of him now, but uh, he was, it was not JFK. But that was the impression, and they hated him. Was, and if you ask... Have you ever heard the theory that, uh, uh, you know, they say about the Federal Reserve, that's all... You know, smokescreen. But the real reason was that uh, JFK wanted to take away Israel's um, nuclear program, th their bombs, and uh, Israel wasn't having that. Have you ever heard any of that theory? Yeah. Do you? It's like, it's like when you have a hit on that level, there's not one reason. It's not worth it. For one reason, it's not worth it because these are complex operation that can cause a lot of blowback you know if the real truth comes out my god they are in bad shit weather you know so it's like you need to have 
the cup needs to be full of a lot of different areas. So what they did with JFK was like, uh, if you ask me the reason, you, you mentioned Israel's that thing, you have the Federal Reserve that he wanted to take the silver back and the money back to the people. That alone is enough to get anyone chopped the head off, boom. You stand up against them, chop, chop, chop. Uh, he said, I'm going to crush the CIA into a thousand pieces. He fired Alan Dulles, my God, just the, to do that. The, the boss of the, he was a holy cow. General Cavill, he fired his ass as well. Uh, and then Explain who they are, I've, because I honestly don't know who they okay. are. Okay, they, they the, he was the head of the CIA, oh. the one that Alan Dulles was the creator of the CIA from the OSS who created the CIA. He, he was untouchable. And Cabell and uh, uh, what's his name? There were three of them that he fired all of them. He said, enough, enough with these black ops, enough of this rotten inner core that we're seeing the result of to this very day. He chopped the head of them. He said, I'm going to withdraw out of Vietnam oh. before then 65. I mean, you're looking at a total disaster for this death and destruction machine that thrives on slaughter and make billions of it, you know? Yeah. So, so the whole military industrial complex, when he said, uh, we are going out because the war hadn't even started on the American part. You, you took over a war, a French war that, and the, the thing wasn't even going, but the, 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 what people are not, or many are not aware of, is that it was a drug war to a large extent. Yep. It was a golden triangle, and how to move tons and tons of drugs from Eastern Asia into the West, and especially into the US, how to do that? Well, let's get some young guys over there, let them get slaughtered. We just rip their bodies open, pack them with drugs, stitch them up, put them in nice uh, body bags. Oh and my God. That happened in that movie, American Gangster. Yeah. That was, wow. Yeah. I thought it was like but, a movie, but, but it happened a lot, a lot? Like no, a lot of bodies? No, no, I'm telling you, I'm sorry. This is so awful, but it, I tell you, it's almost, we're at a point in history where the truth is being told in movies and absolute fantasies is being presented in the media. It's, it's so upside down. No, they were. Did they? It was a, a whole long line. You had Air America as well, uh, and also they were making a fortune on bombs and you know helicopters. Every the idea is okay. So, for instance, you got a, a Bell helicopter that is shot down on a Vietnam. Is it the Viet Cong that paid for the helicopter to get shot down? No, it's the taxpayers. And where does the money go? To the people manufacturing the helicopters. So the more helicopters shut down, better business. So let's drop how many bombs over absolute innocent people? The more bombs, the taxpayers pay, and where does the money go? Yeah. So if you, if you ask pilots, bombing pilots and stuff, they were ordered to drop like tons of bombs in nowhere. Nowhere. They were just, and also, Many ask generals and people, higher staff people in the in the military, they would say at so many points where they in a situation where they could have ended the conflict in a in a major fight and then get it over. We have a winner, we have a loser. No, stop, stop, because they wanted the conflict to go on. Oh. And so who would who were the key people in Vietnam? 
The key people in Operation Phoenix, which was a mass extinction program, uh, that means mass slaughter of suspected Viet Congs, Viet Cong just being people that wanted to defend their, their own country, saying, bogger off, leave us alone. That was Viet Cong terrorist. But anyway, the, the key people in that mass extinction program was Ted Shackley, the guy from Operation 40, who was later the chief of Western Hem, uh, the chief of COVID operation for the Western Hemisphere. I mean, that is a major player up there. And under him, straight under him was work. James Files was doing a lot of work right underneath him. For many years afterwards, Jimmy Files had been involved in so many. He was down in in uh, in uh, Chile when uh, when Salvador Allende was uh, taken out. You know, on 9/11, 1973 where CIA organized a military coup around him. Key people in that, Operation 40. Key people in the people uh, educating the, pe the people down there as torturers, assassins, killers, uh, all of that, Operation 40. Same in El Salvador, same in Nicaragua. It's the same story over and over and over and over again. So this is why I've been dedicating so many years of exposing Operation 40, because when I started finding out about them, very few people had known about them. As yeah. far as I know, it's it was like an, and for me it was like, are you kidding? This guy again and again and again, and so that was Deltex, the Deltex building. I have a way of speaking mm -hmm. in circles. <laughs> so, no, so it's, we move hey, dude, it's ama it's amazing. Can, he's continuing. Let's hear it. Go on. Okay, so we go up to the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Now that building was also controlled by this team uh, because it was the, I forgot his name, but he was also the owner, the creator of the Civil Air Patrol where Lee Oswald was flying. Also Walter Tobinski, who was one of the worst mass serial killers ever in modern times. Uh, who, who was what in was the his name again? Well. One more time. His, his name is Walter Tobinski and very few people know about him, but I'll come to him. Okay. Uh, but but this Frank Sturgis was also in that the civic uh, civil air patrol. This is how they met and were recruited into these uh, these networks. But that was the owner of the Texas School Book Depository. That was also why they transferred Lee Harvey Oswald, who was absolutely innocent and actually a hero. If you've ever seen a hero, that is what Lee Harvey Oswald looks like because he was trying to stop the assassination and instead he went down for it. And he knew uh, since the since July 29th, that is how many months are that? Uh, 63. That's like five months before uh, the hit went down. That he was the planned patsy. He knew that they were going to take him out, and still he he decided to stay and do everything he could to expose stop it. Do you? So I tell. Have you ever heard of the I, uh, I, two Oswalds theory? Have you ever heard of that? There was two yeah, Oswalds? There, there were many different Oswalds because Oswalds was like a, the, the identity was like a boy band. It was a creation. It was his name. But while he was in Russia, there were lots of Oswalds uh, walking around and doing stuff. You know, J. Edgar Hoover had different uh, operations with individuals called Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, so, man. so it's a bizarre world to get into. I'll tell you that. So, so it's you, like you, a, called him a, you called him a hero. You're saying he didn't take a shot. He didn't shoot. Or you think he's still shot? No, he didn't shoot no, anything. God, no, 
No, no, no, no, no, my God, absolute nothing. But, uh, okay, let, let me get back to Oswald afterwards, okay? okay? Because he really deserves to be cleared and his children and all of this stigma that this, the name Oswald have been, they, he should be celebrated. There should be a special day called the Lee Harvey Oswald Day. That I tell you. Anyway, I'll get back to him. But the sixth floor, where it said that he was sitting in a, in a uh, window where there was no way, no other shooter have ever been able to repeat uh, the, the shooting pattern that fast and through uh, th at that speed and also through this, uh, this uh, birch tree. No, it's not a birch. Uh, uh, I don't know the English name of it. But no way, you, can, you cannot shoot the way he did. And also with the Mandika Kakano, that was more dangerous to the shooter than to anyone in front of it. Uh, and with a scope that was not even in, uh, you know, adjusted. Anyway, so on that floor, we had three individuals that was being observed by, uh, by um, uh, witnesses down below. And if I'm correct, then uh, one guy, Eladio Del Valle, he was uh, in Operation 40. He was a former agent, a Batista agent in, uh, in Cuba. Then we had Herminios Diaz Garcia, who was an assassin connected to Operation 40. He's a black guy. Uh, he and then we have one guy with very uh, with glasses, very uh, what do you call the rims, broad rims, you know, black rims. And this guy, if I'm correct, his name is Richard Kane. He was a hit guy for uh, the Chicago mob. He worked under Giancana. He was also a police officer from uh, Chicago. Quite a few of the people that were in the mob were also police officers. In in those days. Uh, you know, like FBI, CIA, and the mob was sort of like three, uh, the same thing. You just turn the coin around like this, CIA, mob. Yeah. You know, they, they worked, they played all different sides and they were like freelancers. And so hit guy one day, police officer the next day and, and paid by the FBI as an informant, that, that type of thing. Very confusing. So Eladio Del Valle, he was killed uh, with a machete and mul uh, multiple stab wounds and shot the same day as David Ferry was killed also. Uh, Armenio Diaz Garcia, he was later killed in, in Mexico City, 74. And then the last guy, Richard Kane, that police officer, or, uh, or um, Mal Malcolm Wallace, who was uh, the only fingerprint that's ever been identified up there on the sixth floor there was one fingerprint and that belonged to mac wallace who was uh, lyndon b johnson's private hit guy and he took out at least eight people for lyndon johnson's uh, including lyndon's sister what Isn't that a nice yeah she she was an alcoholic and she was really into men and she was talking too much and lying lyndon had a very criminal background, super criminal. And he was just about to go down. He was just about to take, be taken to court that very day when this hit happened. Had JFK not died, he would have been taken to court and game over for dear uh, Lion Linden. Oh, yeah. The Sounds same. like 9-11 when the day before they talk about all the missing money from the Pentagon, conveniently. And then the next day, 9-11 happens and uh, that all goes away. Yeah, but where exactly did the plane hit Pentagon? <laughs> I'm with you they on that one. The 
it is in the exact yeah. office where they were investigating this. So yeah. you always had to look at where what happened there, you know, because had anything failed, at least they got rid of that one. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, so most of the buildings were account. I mean, you had uh, you had building seven and building six, both basically accounting offices that they just got rid of all any kind of uh, paper trail. But also building seven was the, the headquarters for the whole operation. That was where the whole thing was done and where the whole if I'm correct, the whole crew that did uh, the I mean, that build these buildings were hit with so many different types of technologies you can't even imagine yeah because we don't know about but it's uh, directed energy weapons uh, controlled demolition uh, 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 hermosermite uh, you name it everything because they could not fail and they were preparing this for such a long time and i believe after that whole thing was done everybody was taken to building seven everybody that had been taken part of it including the controlled demolition watching it and then celebrating and then they killed them all uh, because there are witnesses that made it out of that building that said there were there were dead bodies all over the place but they also talked about that there were sandwiches and empty glasses and so, so i think poisoned or gas or whatever and then that was the reason they had to demolish the whole building because that was they got rid of everyone in one go Boom. Bob's so, you, so you're saying that the arc the people who put this together were basically herded into this building and taken out. Rap party? Lured into the building. Do you, do you know like when in the old days when there were pirates, uh, the captain took like two pirates with him and a big heavy whatever with gold and diamonds. They went to an isolated island, a deserted island, and he got the two pirates to dig a, dig a big hole big enough for like two bodies and this uh, treasure thing and then go down take it down boom boom and then he covered the grave and case closed that's how it's done you know there's if if there's more than two people with a secret it's not a secret anymore so the only way to keep it a secret is get rid of everyone and how many whistleblowers have you heard about from 9-11 when it comes to that whole thing and who is in who is in charge of the security or part of the uh, security of these buildings? Marvin Bush. We're back to the Bushes again. You know, the it's like the the level of criminality that that the family is involved in. It's like it makes Adolf Hitler look like a choir <laughs> boy. Well, wasn't uh, wasn't George Bush Senior in New York for this event as well? For the Bilderberg Group was having a uh, basically a banquet. And guess who the guest of honor was? No, no, it's not no. true. No, he was with the Carlisle Group. Well, the Carlisle the group. group, correct, correct. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah. And the guest of honor was the Bin Laden family. This is going to be its own episode. Yeah, that, I'm telling you, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, get me back on whenever you want, <laughs> but uh, we get off course here. Yeah. Well, welcome and, to Tim Foyle House. <laughs> and use this brain, get this info out there so we can make a, a difference in the world. For sure. Anyway, so Richard Kane, uh, I believe, was the guy, the last guy on the sixth floor, uh, to the furthest to the left. Uh, and this guy was the guy that came out. There were four, uh, three or four guys that came out on the back of the 
uh, Texas School Books Depository right after the shooting happened. Uh, three of them jumped into the car driven by uh, David, uh, David Morales, took off. I think they went to the Cabana Motel where they had they gathered these, uh, all of them gathered in two different places the night before. The Cabana Motel is just Houston uh, Street down and to the left. It's very close, owned by Doris Day. And the whole, the lots, most of them were, were gathered that evening there or at the Clint Murchison Ranch. And so witnesses saw these went, gentlemen, right? They saw these gentlemen get into a light blue car. That's what witnesses said. Yeah. 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 And that was, that was Ruth Payne's car, it seems like. Ruth Payne, who was a CIA operative and where she was the owner of the house where uh, Marina was living, the, the wife of Lee Harvey Oswald at the time. Anyway, so... Uh, the, uh, Richard Kane ran, he did not jump into the car, but instead he ran along Houston Street down to Main Street, turned the corner, and then ran down towards, uh, what's the name of this hotel? Why do I not? The, uh, it'll come to me. It's a really beautiful old hotel, and I believe that was the, uh, that is the, where they uh, intended the hit to be. Uh, uh, I don't believe one. That's fine. It, it, it starts with an A. And uh, so he was there sharing rooms with Richard Kane, the, the Chicago mobster, who wanted to be there also to see JFK die. Because the thing, what I didn't mention before was uh, the reason he was taken out was also because the mob, especially the Chicago mob, helped JFK to get into power through his dad. I mean, the race between Richard Nixon and JFK was so close. It was like only 100,000 100, votes in total. Hmm. So not like this uh, landslide uh, thing that people think that he was so popular. Absolutely not. It was so close. And it was with the help of the Chicago mob that got the names of a lot of dead people in the cemeteries and got those into as votes. And then he, so Giancana was like, great, we got our man in the White House. So he, of course, thought, well, the White House is open for us. What happened after a few years? JFK just turned the page and said, Robert, my dear younger brother, now you start a witch hunt on the mob. Because at that point, nobody knew that the mafia existed. Because Leah, no, uh, Jade Hoover, uh, that the mob had by the balls, literally, not back, uh, here because uh, uh, they had all of these co compromising photos with him and Clyde Tolson, his partner, you know, in homosexual acts, and also he was a cross-dresser. And he was the guy, the head of the G-men, I mean, on real, if that would come out. So the mob had him by the balls. He denied that it even existed until Robert Kennedy said, we're going to track you down and we are going to expose them. And in one year, he got, uh, Robert Kennedy got the, the sentences uh, against mob members up with 700%. In one year, 700. It went like this. So the mob was like freaking out. What the hell is going on with this guy? I thought we could trust him. And now he turned against them. So the mob was involved. The the military-industrial complex was involved, the Secret Service, the CIA, uh, what else? Ban uh, international bankers. Well, here's the part the we haven't talked structure. about. Uh, I was wanted to definitely get onto this because this is a part that people don't think about too much or know when it comes to JFK is the Judith Baker SV40 Ruby oh, connection. That, 
Oh, that is so, so important. Yeah. But can I just yes. name the last shooters? Go. Okay, yeah. I'll just go. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have, uh, if we go down in front of the, uh, the Dallas uh, school book, um, the Texas school book depository, Lee Oswald was actually standing in the door opening uh, down in the entrance. Uh, there are photos of him, and we've done with uh, facial recognition. Also, there's a, a guy called Larry Rivera down in, in uh, Panama who is super good at this, and he definitely totally nailed Oswald down uh, to being standing in the door opening. But I believe that his task was, he was involved with these guys, but trying to stop them. His task was to make sure that nobody would use the elevator. The reason for that was because how did the shooters get down from the sixth floor? There, there were women going down in the stairs, uh, and they said, nobody passed us. So how did they get down there? They were trained in jungle warfare, and they were abseiling inside uh, the elevator because down on them getting out on the back ah, of the... Uh, repelled down like ninjas? That is my theory, but I, I stand to this until the day I die. I've been there uh, in, the del in the school book depository, and also the electricity, not only were the phone systems shut down, but one minute before uh, the shooting started, the electricity in that building was shut off. The reason, because if they were on their way yep. down and yeah. the elevator started going up, they could be crushed, you know, so they just took, cut, the, cut the power. And I believe that Oswald's task, I'm not sure about this because I don't really know what happened there these few seconds or minutes, but I think his task was to make sure that nobody tried to get into the elevator because the elevator is right there in the lunchroom where he was seen by this uh, Officer Baker who came running in with a gun that, you know, is he working here? And uh, Roy truly said, yeah, he's one of the employees. So that was his task. And the reason why he wasn't out of breath was he was because he took like 10 steps up from the entrance up into the lunchroom. And also he was a super cool individual. Lee Oswald was a, I mean, I can't even imagine being so young and then being sent as a spy into Russia, surviving it and getting out. I mean, how do you do that? Incredible. So we go down in front of the, uh, uh, the Texas School Book Depository. It's such an odd layout of this plaza. It's also the first, uh, the location for the first Freemasonic Lodge in Dallas. And the whole uh, architecture of Dealey Plaza is Freemasonic. It's so Freemasonic, all of it. And you look from above, it's a pyramid like this. Boom. Oh my and, God. And also, you know, if you're, if you're into um, uh, the geometrics they're really into these kind of things you know with the pyramid and the the, where the angles and so, i i tell you if you go to uh, the triple underpass which is you've got dealey plaza like this that's houston street main street commerce street and elm street okay <laughs> and where where's the point of the pyramid it's right up here that is where the triple underpass is if you go exactly to the point of where these uh, streets meet underneath, look towards the Texas School Book Depository. Do you know what you you will see? On top of the Daltex building, you will see like this, a glass pyramid, massive big glass pyramid. But what is it? Is it built on the Daltex building? No, it's the, Welf it's the Wells Fargo skyscraper. 
but in that exact angle, you get this power, this uh, glass pyramid. Not by coincidence, I tell you that. If you go and you take, uh, you make Elm Street the bottom of the pyramid, and you look towards the top, you look straight to what is the symbol of Dallas, which is a great obelisk with a fireball on top. It's uh, it's so Freemasonic the whole setup, and also the grave, uh, the monument, the JFK monument. My God. Anyway, it's in your face as usual. Yeah. So we go back down. We go down back on the grassy knoll. You had uh, the umbrella man, Lee Hargraves, who was uh, very closely associated to Operation 40. Then, uh, like I said before, uh, Felipe Vidal Santiago, the waving guy. On Right on the other side of the guy is a uh, black guy in a silvery suit. I think... I'm not sure, I cannot prove this, but I do believe that his name was uh, Orlando Bosch, also called Dr. Death. He was a dentist and he was a specialist in bombs. And he was uh, in, Dili in Dallas this day together with his hit team. And he had done, I don't know, uh, in my book, Coup d'etat and slow motion, I've got like four pages just of the bombing things that he did that he was sentenced for. I mean, there are like hundreds of bombs on a, almost on a daily basis. And then he was, uh, he was put in jail and then he was pardoned by, guess who? Who could pardon Dr. Death? Nixon. Lyndon B. Johnson? George Bush. Oh, George, George Bush. Bush, Bush Senior. Senior. Oh, George Bush Senior. Oh, my yes. God, dude. It's and, unbelievable. Uh, there's another guy who committed, I don't know how many atrocities, Luis Posada Carillas, member of Operation 40, and then he was put away, but he was pardoned. <laughs> yes, by whom? George Bush Sr. And by the way, George Bush Jr. went in Dealey Plaza as well. There's a photo taken of him walking straight across the, uh, the school book depository, right, just like half an hour later. So he's, he was there being groomed. Nice. Nice families. It's anyway, so uh, unbelievable. On the, in front of Dr. Death, there's one guy that I do not, I cannot understand why people cannot see him. It's right if you look at the, where the Fremont uh, Highway sign is. If you look on the other side of the road, there's this guy in like khaki trousers and with a massive big bulletproof vest on. It's dark brown, it's not discreet. And he raises a, uh, what is like a shooting stand like this. He's only like two, three yards from the limo and fires and then let, let the hand go down. You have to understand also that the, the Sapruda film has been heavily manipulated with the backgrounds. Everything has been moved around. So you can't really measure angles and so on. But if you see, it's a stand like this and boom, and he lets go of the gun. Then boom. His name, Walter Tobinski, he's also the guy that was uh, filmed or taking photos of when he left the um, uh, Russian consulate in Mexico City. The, the guy in the JFK movie where they say, well, the CIA took photos of this guy. And they, so we got a second. His name is Walter Tobinski. Oh, he lives, if, he lives uh, if he's still alive, he lives in Toronto. He, he's been... Uh, used as a head cleaner for decades, and as far as I know, taken out um, at least a thousand people. Wow. I mean, this is a bad boy if I've ever seen. 
I've, 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 me and Jim Fetzer have exposed this guy some years ago trying to save the life of a, of a witness. Anyway, so he's, he, according to himself, what he told this witness was that he had like a tranquilizer gun. And I believe that the small entry wound in, in Kennedy's neck that was not powerful enough to get go out was this very, very potent tranquilizer gun because they needed to make sure that he would not just, you know, uh, hide or throw himself down in the seat so they couldn't hit him. <laughs> so he gets hit right in the throat from like two yards away, boom, like this. And Kennedy goes, oh my God, like this. And that's when, when they start firing in on his head, you know, because he hasn't entered the killing zone yet. The killing zone that was painted oh yellow my. starts. Oh my starts god! Oh my god! Right so at that point. And okay, so on. If we go on the other side, back to the Texas School Book Depository, the grassy knoll side, the next guy, uh, you will see that there is a a, a Chevy uh, white uh, station car that has been reversed up against the wall. They're very strange, these walls, but it's up against the wall. And there's one guy with his elbow up on, on the roof of the car, sh shooting like this, boom. His name, Clyde Forshaw. Uh, and uh, he's Walter Tobinski's cousin and had also been used as a head cleaner. He has killed about a thousand people as well. There's so many cold cases in the US, in Canada, uh, and I don't know, but at least in these two countries that are there. And this uh, witness that we've tried to save her life, I don't know if she's still alive because we haven't heard from, her name was Haley Otis. And uh, uh, she was, uh, uh, her, her brother's name was Roland Otis. He was the guy that was driving that car. Because you will see, as soon as the, the shots are fired, boom, just seconds later, the car is gone. They've jumped into the car and they've taken off. Oh my. Okay, so so then next to him, just a few yards further down, uh, you got what is called Batchman. Uh, you can see it's a black shadow. He's also called Black Cat. The reason why he's a black shadow is because he was in a Dallas, Texas uh, police uniform, um, which is standard procedure when you do hits. You use uniforms to disguise yourself. And his name was Lucien Sarti. He was a Marseille hitman from the south of France that was taken over there by the mob because the way they arrange these type of assassins, uh, assassinations are that everybody involved has to dip their hands in blood, just like with uh, Caesar. You know, everybody had to stab him so that nobody can point at the other ones. Everybody is involved. So you have the weird thing with the Secret Service, you know, getting the bubble top off and also, when when uh, the shooting starts, I mean, Bill Greer, who was the driver, he should have just stepped on it and got got out of there. Yeah. Instead, he does the exact opposite. He break. He comes to two stops. Actually, it's not only one, but they edited that away. That's why you can see there's a cut, like in the Fremont uh, Highway sign. It jumps like this because they cut away that the car stopped. And then the second one, boom! He's 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 at a standstill. And when you come to Dili Plaza and you look from, for instance, where Jimmy Fives was standing, it's like five yards, eight yards, maybe something like it's a turkey shoot. You cannot miss if it's if it's not moving. 
So, that so was, yeah, uh, he breaks. He uses his uh, directionals. He's using. He's you know, it's just it's it's insane. Is is Jackie Onassis in on it? Is the driver in on it? Like, is he turn around? Like, there's this whole theory that he turns around and takes a shot at JFK. It, it's it's very much looks so. I mean, he's totally in on it when it comes to stopping the car. Of course. And also Roy Kellerman, who's in the front seat, both of them are turning around waiting. So how is that possible? Is it NK Ultra? Were they mind control? And because they were really in a dangerous spot. I mean, there were bullets flying all over the place. <laughs> so so how, how do you get people to do that? Were they being black, I don't know. And also when Bill Greer, the driver turns around, I can I can very much see what people are saying. And also when the last headshot is, you have to understand the car was at a standstill and there were all of these guns aimed at him. So when, when the last shot, these I think it's like <clears throat> that there was multiple shots fired that hit him at the same time, making his whole head explode. Because, like Jimmy Files says, that he, that there was uh, he was aiming right at his right eye, and then his head just moved like a fraction of a second before, so he was hit from the back, and then Jimmy Files hit him in uh, here instead of here. He had zeroed in on the eye, and I mean it was so close. But Jimmy Files was using a fire a Remington Fireball, a 223 with special ammunition because this was a a weapon that had been uh, uh, manufactured by Remington together with CIA for special hits. You know, it's like a, a rifle, but with a, a gun grip. Uh, so it's a very small it's like one, Nike with, with sneakers. You know, it's just like every yeah. assassin gets their own gun. You know, now we're yeah. putting out the new Jordans this year. It's a double barrel. It's, it's so, oh, my God. But anyway, this weapon was, uh, uh, it had uh, proved to be not so good at assassination because the, the bullet would very easily uh, uh, ricochet off the head of the skull. So that is why Jimmy Files had uh, a guy in in, uh, in Chicago made special uh, ammo for it. It was a guy called Wolfman. And what he did was he drilled the top of the, of the bullets and then filled them with uh, mercury and then put wax on top. Meaning that when the impact came, the mercury would just make the, the projectile explode. Uh, so it was uh, underloaded. So meaning because if it's if the power is too big, it can just go straight through. So you you on, I don't know what that is in English. I think underload is the name. So you make the the power uh, the powder part more less potent, and then the expa uh, expansion more. Uh, like that. So Jimmy Fox, when he hit, the whole thing blew off. Had he not used that type of ammo, I think we would have seen several different bullet holes because it was at a point where it suddenly stopped and <clears throat> because also there was, I think, Frank Sturgis down in the sewer uh, in the storm. Uh, uh, do you know where the Someone's in the storm went. drain like the clown from Pennywise. Yeah. Pennywise. Pennywise. Oh my no. God. So, so you have this uh, this bullet coming from below as well, coming from underneath. There are some people that have made uh, uh, incredible uh, dissections of the image scene. So you can see there's this coming from underneath as well. So I think 
underneath from the side from the back at the same time boom and people who say well they measured the angle you know the front the shot must have come or the, the the bullet there was a bullet hole in the windshield that it came they measured exact angle and it that must have been what hit him in in the throat but we tried you know we tried shooting in in windshields that are that angle and what happens is that the bullet goes this and then it angles down because of the angle of the glass it does not go straight through if it's like this it goes up so that does not match at all because they say well that's the exact position the shooter row how many shots were fired that day i think more than we guess more than we can guess that i believe because there was also a shot fired from the other side of dealey plaza uh behind a, a a fence there it's not a picket fence well it was a picket fence in those days and i think that was roscoe white a dallas police officer that uh, formerly also very involved around uh, lee oswald they were both at the uh, the Air Force Base, super secret Air Force Base in Japan, and they followed each other. Many of them knew Oswald, you know. So, um, and he, so, and so, did anybody uh, else get hit that day? When in terms yeah. of the shots, did anybody else yeah. end up? Get, it's amazing that, that did anybody in the car actually get hit? McConnell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, John Connolly. Okay. John Connolly was sitting right in front of him. And he got healed multiple times, but they managed to uh, they managed to explain all of it with the so-called magic bullet, which is an absolute like theory. And, I mean, we uh, just who, find this who, over and over again. Whether it's the uh, Building Seven, we have our own things out here. We just had these fires where people are trying to tell me that you know. Metal was burned by forest fires, even though the fires didn't, the trees didn't burn at all. And we have we have metal that Sad. burns at twenty five hundred degrees, and fire forest fires don't get higher than fifteen hundred degrees. It just makes no sense. But it does if you go to Lockheed Martin's website. They're bragging about their uh, directed energy weapons that they've been working on for forty years. You can find the exact things that they're using there. Oh, uh, God. Oh, so since the game plan was laid out back there in Dallas, which was uh, do the hit, set up a patsy, and kill the patsy, uh, how does Ruby it's, tie in? That's the important part because I know there's so many people that may or may not have heard some of these things, but the things that people walk away from JFK not knowing that Judith Baker, SB40, yeah. and Jack Ruby are yeah. something else besides what happened that day. If you can explain that a little bit. Ollie. I think we, is he frozen? Reconnecting. This is amazing. Yeah, this one knows everything. This, this is like, it's pretty amazing how it was so elaborate. And it's so funny how like we see in modern art and we just look, they got to him. The lizard people got to him, dude. There was just, <laughs> they knew what was going on. They, they, they knew too much. We just, we're hearing too much good stuff. I was trying to get to it. I want to thank for a moment our friends at um, uh, at Icon for allowing us. There he is. The lizard there people tried to stop this, but we got it. So we're back. We have our lizard-proof internet uh, connection. No problem. Just turn around. But there I'm staring. There you go. There we go. There we go. Okay, so I, I just want to say Jimmy Files. Uh, 
I think is uh, he's a psychopath, but he's a very loyal psychopath, uh, you know. And uh, he was very loyal to Chucky Nicoletti. He adored him. And he was recruited uh, by the CIA as a 19-year-old then uh, in Vietnam. Most of them, most of these, uh, many of the bad boys are recruited around that age, either at universities or war zones where they prove themselves. And uh, so Jimmy Files' task was, his task was only to drive the car down there and, and fill with weapons. It was a Chevy Impala, 60, uh, whatever they were, 63, I think, maroon, and it was packed with guns. He drove them down from Chicago, and uh, the other people drove in in different cars, flew in, and so on. It came from all different directions. So it was only uh, just before noon that day that when Chucky said, do you want to help me with this thing? Because uh, I think Rosselli was, uh, uh, was thought about as a shooter, and he backed out. So uh, Files was the one that was, he just asked him, and Files said, ah, well, I would love to. Because, like he says, for him to kill JFK was like taking out the garbage. He had no feelings. He had uh, no whatever. So uh, I, I trust Jimmy Files. I have not been able to find anything that he said that was not correct. And also, he did not want to step forward voluntarily. It was only, it's a long story, but out of loyalty to a friend, and also because he, he became religious afterwards that he stepped forward. And uh, so incredible information about that. That's one part that makes the whole uh, jigsaw come together. And then we had Judith Berry Baker, which until I heard about her, there were all of these thousands of questions that I could not get my head around with. Mm. But with Judy, I think she is... Uh, I think uh, more or less the one of the most important witnesses in the world, and it's just been her birthday. So happy birthday, Judy! Happy oh, birthday, Judy! And uh, I'm gonna send her anyway, a nutsack. So, I'm gonna send her a nutsack for her birthday. Uh, well, she lives in Sweden under a taken name, trying to get a political asylum for eight nine years, and has been refused it. And she's under constant threat, so that is not good at all. Sweden, shame on you. But uh, Judy Ferry Baker was recruited as a 19-year-old. She had uh, one of the highest IQs in, in Florida. And her grandmother had died of cancer. And this is a real geek when it comes to laboratories and uh, science. She is a real science geek. And uh, because she mourned the loss of her grandmother, she swore that she was going to find a cure for cancer. And what happened was that she managed to get cancer. Uh, she had her own laboratory with mice in, in the basement. And he, she managed to get uh, uh, cancer grow faster than anyone else in the U.S. And the local newspapers wrote about her and stuff like that. And in mysterious ways, she got recruited by the CIA without understanding that she was recruited by the CIA by being offered a job in New Orleans uh, at a hospital where there was a very uh, famous doctor in science called Dr. Alton Oshner, very strange name. And Dr. Alton Oshner was uh, the guy that was the face upwards for the polio vaccine in 
of the late 50s. What happened there was that they, they had, it was just like the swine flu, the Ebola, that type of the propaganda first. They pumped up the, and at that point, the public was totally naive. I mean, they had no clue whatsoever. So there were all of these millions of shots of vaccines lined up, polio vaccines. And there were like, the, do you know, the, do you remember the song? Make the medicine go down. The Dick Van Dyke. That's Mary Poppins. That's the one. They had, they had all of that going. And uh, what they had done was that they had taken uh, cancer viruses and grown on the kidneys of monkeys to, to try and find a, a vaccine. Anyway, just a few days before the release of this whole thing, where hundreds of millions of Americans and also people in Europe were being planned to get this shot, there was this uh, uh, woman in the laboratory who discovered that, oh my God, the viruses are still alive. Uh, in a vaccine, the viruses are supposed to be dead. Otherwise, they will cause the thing that they're, they're supposed to go well, be the healing effect of, not that I trust vaccines at all nowadays. Yeah. But she went, she went up to Alton Oshner and said, my God, check it out, check it out. We need to stop the whole thing. We need to stop the whole thing because they're still alive. And he said, no way, just shut up, shut, you know. And she, uh, if she lost her job, I'm not sure, but she, her, the rest of her career was in smithereens, you know. But this rumor came out and so Alton Oshner was trying to minimize the blowback by uh, calling for a press conference. And he took out his two grandchildren, um, I think they were eight and ten, a boy and a girl, and said, listen, the people think that these are, that they're, they're not dangerous, these vaccines, so I'll show you. And he injected both his grandchildren. Oh my at this, God! At this press conference. And the I think the girl died within 24 hours and the boy got polio, serious polio for the rest of his life. I mean, the whole walking like this. What? And still, still they decided to inject hundreds of millions of Americans and even in Europe. I'm, I was injected with it. Thank you, Dr. Alton Oshner. Here you get uh, this one. <laughs> there we go. I think I should do like this because yeah. I think he's down. Anyway, so um, so when the CIA heard about this vaccine with their horrific minds, they thought, oh my God, that's a very aggressive uh, virus. Let's weaponize it. And so they called together a team to weaponize a cancer virus to use it as a bioweapon, as, as a deadly super deadly bioweapon against Fidel Castro was the idea. So uh, they put Altan Oshner, since he was the guy with the, it was called, the virus was SV40, just like you say. Oh my God. Uh, and so they put together a team of the best people they had to generate this vaccine. Oh no, this deadly uh, bioweapon. And uh, uh, they created a, a series of laboratories, secret laboratories in New Orleans, where they also had a, um, a what do you call it, a, um, atomic accelerator? No, a cell. Uh, what do you call it? It's Particle accelerator. Particle. Particle accelerator. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, in New Orleans, and 
uh, in that there were um, a doctor called uh, uh, Mary Sherman, Dr. Mary Sherman. Uh, she was the in head of the uh, in charge of the whole project. Uh, you had Jack Ruby was there, Clay Shaw was there, David Ferry, who was uh, one of the pilots, but he was also really sharp when it came to diseases and especially cancer because he had it as well. So there were. I'm sure that some of these laboratories have never been found out because there was a whole circle of them. And Lee Oswald was also involved. Lee was both uh, FBI informed, but also a CIA operative and with family connections into the mob. We're back to this strange thing. So he was like a runner between the laboratories where he was taking the viruses. What they did was they, they took mice and injected them with this uh, vaccine to get them to develop these cancer growths. Then they chopped them off, the, the tumors, and, and blended them uh, in a mixer like that, and then injected them again. Then cut this whole thing up and then put it through radiation uh, because with this virus, instead of radiation being able to kill the, the cells, this reacted totally different. So it, it accelerated the growth of. So they put them through this uh, uh, particle accelerator, they radiation or whatever, and then back into new mice inject, and every time trying to make it more and more potent. And so uh, Lee Oswald's task was to take thermoses with this, bzz, bzz, I mean, it looked like uh, ugh, some kind of paste, you know, like meat paste or whatever, and take it to the next laboratory where they would then amplify it with whatever, to the next one, amplify it with whatever. And it was in this whole thing where, uh, where Judy Ferry Baker was recruited, but it was important for them, for her not to understand what she was really involved in, that this was on a very high level, uh, because she was 19, totally naive. She'd never been outdoors, more or less, never left home. So what they did was, uh, she had just married her husband, uh, and uh, she came to New Orleans, and she was she was writing a letter to him saying, what happened, you know, where the hell did you go? Because both of them just wanted to have sex. That was what they got yeah. married for. No, That's love, the 19th. whatever. Yeah, yeah, just hit it, quit it. Yeah. That was it, and Judy's very open about it. Yeah. So anyway, she was at the post office. Chicks love uh, the D. And she was going, she was going to write a letter to. Oh, she was sending a letter to her husband saying, "Where the hell did you go? I'm just in New Orleans. I'm here." And uh, she dropped the envelope, and this uh, young guy behind her picked it up and uh, gave it to her. And she turned around, and he was a really handsome guy, Lee Harvey Oswald. And they started. And then she said something in Russian uh, because she loved Russian. I think she said thank you in Russian or something like that. And he answered in Russian, which was like, whoa, because at that time, I mean, they would strap you up, you know, lynch you if you spoke Russian in the, in the southern part of the country, whatever. So she was like, whoa. And they started talking. And then uh, they took a ride on the tram and became friends. I think that was absolutely, Judy still think that uh, that was a coincidence. I do not at all. Yeah. He was her, he was her controller and approached her without her understanding. And then he introduced her to the exact people in this whole, Dave Ferry, uh, Jack Ruby, Clay Shaw, Carlos Marcello, the, the mob, uh, mob uh, 
chief in, in New Orleans. He introduced her to all of that. So she came not getting the job she thought she was getting. Instead, she was get guided into this network where she was suddenly part of this whole thing through Lee Harvey Oswald. Controller, controller, controller. That's how they do it, you know, so that you trust them. So that, but what happened was they fell in love with each other because Lee Oswald was married to Marina. They were miserable together, but had two kids, and he was struggling what to do with that, just a newborn. She was miserable, newly married, with uh, with this guy that, I mean, they had sex, he left, boom, that's it. He came back once or twice, had sex, boom, out. So none of them were happy. And then they found each other. And this incredible love story blossomed between the two of them while being in this incredible situation. And then while the whole thing was developing with them creating a bioweapon, because at that point, Fidel Castro was the monster. They saw him as the devil, you know. So uh, Judith was totally devoted to try and kill him, to save the world. And so while all of this was happening, there, all of these exiled Cubans were also in the mix of this because all of these people that were involved in this operation were also involved in a lot of gun running and all type of things and the Bay of Pigs invasion. There were key people in that. Guy Bannister, one of them, the FBI chief in, in New Orleans, all of these people. And then after the Bay of Pigs uh, disaster, when suddenly JFK was blamed for it, the cannon that was aimed at Fidel Castro uh, got aimed at JFK. So the exact same people that were trying to take out Fidel Castro were suddenly involved in planning the assassination of JFK. And Lee Oswald found himself in the middle of the whole thing. He adored JFK. He was so, I mean, he loved him. And then at the same time, he was involved with these very violent individuals that were just hating JFK and were planning. Also, J uh, Lee Oswald heard, overheard them talk about this and understood what was going on, you know, and just like, holy crap. What am I going to do? So they, were, they tried to take out JFK three times in Miami, Chicago, and finally in Dallas. And both of the two hits, first hits were stopped, and I believe by Lee Oswald. One of them was a telex sent on the FBI telex, signed Lee, warning about the assassination. It was Lee Oswald that was doing everything he could. And then uh, at the same time also, uh, they were they were testing out this bioweapon on prisoners uh, at a mental institution down in Clinton. This is where uh, Oswald is being observed in Clinton together with Clay Shaw, Dave Ferry, and an unknown woman. They, he was down there several times. There's this unknown woman. That's Judith. And what they what they did without Judith's knowledge was they ejected prisoners, or uh, you know, that volunteered. For you know, okay, you you will get a pillow yeah. if you take this shot. You know, yeah. so they injected, and Judith understood that these were fatally ill patients that volunteered to do this out of patriotism. Turned out that they were totally healthy individuals that were being injected, and then they were counting the days. And in the end, they got the virus down to 29 days from injection to death. When Judith understood what they were doing she was like 
holy crap, we're killing innocent people, you know. So she, 19-year-old, just right into the office of Altan Oshner, this icon, you know, that everybody was like, hallelujah. He, he was the doctor for many of the dictators down in South America. I mean, he was among the rich and famous. And 19-year-old Judith, brave like a lion, just walk on into his office where his secretary is sitting, saying, uh, I, I want to talk to Dr. Alton Oshner. And the secretary says, I'm sorry he's not here. Can you please leave a message? So Judith, uh, Judith wrote a note saying, uh, I hear... Uh, Something like, uh, I demand that you stop killing innocent people with this, uh, uh, in these horrible injections, these deadly injections. So the secretary, without knowing what was on the note, she, she pressed the button on the PA system and wrote and read out the, the note loud. Oh my you know, God. Dr. Alton Oshner, you have to stop injecting innocent people with a deadly virus. Something like that to that extent. So Dr. Elton Oshner came rushing down, what the hell are you doing? And he said, get out of my way, I'll kill you, i destroy you. And so Judy, I mean, she was terrified. And uh, Dave Ferry and Ju Jack Ruby, Lee Oswald, they, they were close friends. They, they said, listen, Judy, you need to go vanilla, as they said, get off the radar. Forget about all type of science that you know too much. You will be taken out, you know. Uh, so she just totally escaped to Florida. This was down in New Orleans. She escaped to Florida and just gave up science, gave up everything. Uh, she changed her name uh, to Barry Baker. Her name, uh, you know, she changed it so they couldn't find her. I think she even had a wig. She took a, no a nonsense type of job. And at the same time, she was still in contact with Lee Oswald, where uh, he was trying to stop this assassination because they knew it was gonna, the, the last one was gonna be uh, done in, in Dallas, Texas. And he was being transferred there from New Orleans to Irving, just outside Texas, you know, together with Marina, and given a job at this Texas School Book Depository. The reason for that, because of the assassination, the, the triangular fire from that building, how to blame. So on the 29th of July, he calls Judith, 63, he calls Judith and say, my God, I know it now. I'm the one that got a nail for it. So Judith said, you need to get out. You need to get out. And, and, and Lee said, but how, how, what can I do if I escape? They're going to kill Marina. They're going to kill my girls. If we escape as a family, they will so easily find us. And maybe they will kill you as well. What am I going to do? So he said, the only thing I can do and the only right thing to do is stop this thing. Save the president. And from the end of July till the end of November, that was what he was totally focused on. How to infiltrate them and stop it. I mean, if that is not bravery, I do not know what is, because he was surrounded by killers, oh, people yeah. that were torturing people for breakfast, you know, brutal individuals, and still an infiltrator trying to stop this whole thing. So, wow. 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 So Jack Ruby put a period on that sentence then, right? So, so Jack Ruby, I'm a little confused about Jack Ruby's involvement in the assassination. I know that uh, uh, Jimmy Files drove uh, 
Johnny Rosselli to Houston that morning, uh, where uh, Rosselli said, please cover my back. And they went into a Waffle House that is still there. Uh, it's still there in the outskirts of, of uh, Houston. And <clears throat> Uh, Jimmy Files was there only as a bodyguard and a driver and he saw Jack Ruby come in he'd never seen Jack Ruby before uh, and they were sitting down talking a little bit with Sally and Ruby and then there was this envelope that swapped uh, hands and afterwards uh, Files they were driving back and uh, Files saw Rosselli open the envelope there were these uh, secret service IDs and the a draw uh, a written no a drawn sketch over Dili Plaza about the new route how they changed that route the last 24 hours to go yep. into that deadly ambush there so i believe that there were there were like two groups of the team's shooting teams and the team leaders for one of them were e howard hunt that was also the money guy that uh, from the cia that were helping to uh, with the money, all of that on one uh, side. He was the guy that uh, met up with uh, Frank Sturgis, uh, Marita Lorenz, uh, the, the people that drove in two cars from Miami uh, with, filled with weapons. They were the ones all of that threw this woman out of the car, Rose Charmaine, uh, that was later. They, she's in the JFK movie saying, you got to stop them, you got to stop, they're going to kill the president. She was later killed in a in a hit and drive, what do you call it, drive by hit, hit and run. boom thing. God. Hit and run, thank you. I would and, just uh, disappear. I think that Jack Ruby, Jack, I think that Jack Ruby was the head of the second major group of assassins. That, But I'm not totally sure. He was there in Dealey Plaza. He was at the corner of the, Delta, uh, the Texas School Book Depository. And then he ran across the lawn. He jumped over. And I believe that his car was parked right on the other side of the triple underpass, on top of one of these, uh, uh, what do you call these, lids to the uh, to the drain, storm drain, uh, a round lid, a sewer lid, a storm is that manhole a cover drain as well, <laughs> manhole cover, manhole cover, <laughs> yeah, manhole cover exactly. I think uh, there was a there was a police officer that came just minutes after the shooting, and he saw a black car parked right there. And uh, he saw Jack Ruby run down the grassy knoll on the other side of the, uh, the triple underpass, throw something in the in the in the trunk, and then jump into the car and took off. I think uh, uh, the police officer's name was Tip uh, Tinton or something like that. And he started chasing the car uh, and discovered that it was Jack Ruby driving it. But I think that that manhole uh, there was. Uh, the manholes were being used, not only the stone drain, but also above the triple underpass, there was one shooter there, mm. jumping down into the manhole and then coming up under and into the Jack Ruby car. That was why it was parked there. And then he took off. Oh my I God. I think also take, taking one of the guns and throwing it in the trunk and then taking off. So Ollie, they spread very fast. We only just scratched the surface, man. There's so much more that I yeah. want to go with you. When can we get you back? And yeah, next we month? Have you back on two months? When sure. are you available? <laughs> when are you going to come to no. New York or LA anytime, huh? You know what, Sam? He just came back from Ar Arcampuco yeah. in Cancun. Yeah, we were we were just talking about that. We should uh, we would love to do uh, something out there too. Hey, you were wonderful, Oli. Uh, we really appreciate your time. We know that you're uh, 
you're, you're sought after guest. So to spend a little time with us means the world to us. And uh, you opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And yeah, of course, we'd love to have you back on and we could do this again. Is there anything you'd like to plug with our listeners? Because I know they're going to love you. Doubt everything. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Question everything, doubt everything. Yeah. I'm down with it. Uh, you were wonderful. Your ability to but remember names. I'm is... not finished yet. Doubt everything. Uh, don't take my word for it. Look into it yourself. Do your research. Uh, and also, um, like I said, my website is lightonconspiracies.com. I do a lot on Patreon as well because that's one of the few ways I can make an income. I do day, day, I call them daylights, where I uh, inform about what's going on, but also trying to empower people. Because my intent with uh, digging so deeply, and I devoted such a big part of my life into uncovering these dark forces, but my intention is not to spread fear or hatred or any. My intention is to lift this world to the next beautiful level of compassion, understanding, forgiveness, and equality. But we need to look at this growth. It's like a cancer growth, like an octopus with its tentacle in more or less all, I would say, all main avenues of life today. Everything at this point is upside down. It doesn't make any sense because it's upside down. So whatever you're confused about, just turn it upside down and see it from that point of view. I tell you, a lot of pieces will fall to place. So if okay with you, I would very much like uh, to end with a prayer. I'm okay. not a religious person, but I've Let's got this it. prayer that, I, that stands for what I really love. And it goes like this. May the entire universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May everyone, and especially the ones who hurt us, be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May the light of truth overcome all darkness, so victory to that light. And get me back. I'll be with you in a few few weeks if you want. I love so, I mean, it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it again. You yeah. are a G. I appreciate you, Oli. Ryan, it was a pleasure to have you back on. We'll do it again sooner or later. Uh, XG, as always, I love you guys. Icon, you're the best. We will see you all soon. And uh, thank you guys for all your love. And uh, we'll do this again. Take care, everybody. Take care. Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.